1: Everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by my FFPC and RotoViz Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Powell, and today I'm joined by my good friend, my co-host, Dan Sano.
2: The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
3: Dan, how's it going tonight? It's going, man. I'm still recovering from a combination of a dual child's birthday. Uh, my one and three-year-old are one day apart, and we had their birthday party uh, yesterday and also Tiger Woods winning the Masters. So still, still a little, ch- little choked up from that one. That one, that one uh, hits home. As you can see, uh, you'll be able to see not the listeners, but that guy right there on my wall. That'd be Mr. Tiger Woods, and that's actually a Masters photo. Uh, so yeah, everything, uh, everything's on the up and up, and I'm actually pretty excited about this one. Uh, this is something we haven't really done before. I mean, we've done you know, within the year. So I'll let you walk people through it, but I'm excited about this one.
1: All right. Uh, as we've pretty much discussed the last couple of weeks at like the end of the podcast, I'm like, well, I got to figure out what we're going to talk about next week. Well, we, we, th- we found a, gu- a good idea as we were ending last week's pod and it's going to be a, we're calling it the rookie draft matrix. I don't know why it's called a matrix. I was going to say mix, but matrix sounds more fun. So what it's going to be is a mix of the 2018 and 2019 classes. So basically we're breaking down the two classes, the the values of both players. This kind of gives you an eye of where the 2018 players are after one year and where those 2019 players would have ranked in comparison to last year's class.
3: Since this is the matrix, I think the real question is, is which one of us is Neo and which one of us is Morpheus?
1: Uh, Blue pill. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, no, this is exciting. it's kind of uh for those of you that uh are subscribed to uh the DLF or dynastyleaguefootball.com, they have cornerstone rankings, and I believe that goes three years out, but uh it's a little bit I like think, that. I
1: think it's I think it's uh the year before rookie and and De- Debbie.
3: Okay, okay, yeah. So I mean it's it's something kind of like that. We're just gonna do basically two first rounds worth of players or uh, our top 24 so we're gonna see how this goes our our timing may go a little bit long we may split this up we may fit it all into one so we'll uh we'll see how it goes but yeah i'm i'm genuinely excited about this because like i said before it's something we haven't done yet and it's kind of interesting to see how this compiles and and to kind of see where um to see where each of us value players and if anyone slips or anything like that
1: Well, people are excited about the rookie classes. You know what they're also excited about? (laughs) RotoViz.
3: Are they excited about RotoViz? Could it possibly be that uh, for our listeners, they can get a 30%? 30% 30% off of an NFL um, pass via Rotoviz for the uh, 2019 season. It is available through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The 2019 season is its almost here. We're almost to the draft. We're we are getting close. So make sure you have your access to all of the NFL content and tools. You get amazing value and you get to support us, which that's a big bonus because that means we get to be here every week. So make sure you go to rotoviz.com forward slash Forward slash podcast and get yourself that NFL pass.
1: All righty, let's kick off our rookie draft matrix. I can actually rookie see all of the draft code. Maker.
3: I can see all of the code going through my computer right now. It's amazing.
1: There, there we go. Uh, so I'll start us off uh, with the very difficult decision of the one hundred and one in the 2018-2019 rookie draft combined. I will take Saquon Barkley. Uh, some will say this is obvious and they will be correct. Uh, Saquon Barkley was the runaway 101 in 2018. He did little to nothing to prove otherwise in his rookie season. And this has been a, one of the weakest classes at the 101, as we've seen in recent memory. So the combination of how good Barkley is and how bad – I mean, th- there's some good players. I don't want to say bad. But how underwhelming the, the top of the, the the classes have been the last two years. Um, combined with Barkley equals Barkley being the one, runaway 101.
3: Yeah, that's that's one of the crazy ones where the 101 rookie class ends up, you know, pretty much skyrocketing to the overall dynasty 101 in little to no time at all. I, I mean, he was basically a top four, five, six pick before he even touched a football, which, I mean, that's kind of unheard of. And now, I mean, we'll see what they do with him. But now, I mean, there's no... there's no competition for targets. He's going to get everything out of the backfield. He's going to catch so many passes. He's uh, my only fear at this point is, is that they wear him down is that they overuse him. They burn him out. Now, obviously he's, he's an athletic freak, um, but anything can happen and, and bodies can break down faster, especially when they're overused and getting the crap beat out of them week to week. So hopefully they, they bring, you know, maybe maybe like a late-round guy that just kind of helps spell a little tiny bit of the work so he's not out there for 100% of the snaps every single game. But, yeah, it's hard to deny anybody but Saquon here.
1: And also, just a Barkley discussion, and you talked about the carries in general. It's, not, it's kind of like a straw man, but some people are saying that they're worried about the, the number of carries or the number of targets that Barkley's going to get in the next couple of years. Like, oh, he's going to break down so quickly. In fantasy and in dynasty, I don't think that's a worry at all. Like, even if he does break down because of an enormous amount of carries, you're going to benefit from those enormous amount of carries.
3: Yeah, I'd I'd be more. I honestly, I'd be more worried about the carries than the than the targets and the and the catches because you know running headfirst into the the offensive and defensive line, you know, twenty times a game isn't quite as crazy as catching six passes and half of them running out of bounds and half of them getting tackled by cornerbacks. So, and it is what it is. Uh, I think there's definitely something that is going to be on the back of everyone's minds with his usage, but at the same time, we're all just going to reap the benefits and, and watch him explode for just crazy points, especially so young. And, and who knows if this is his prime, who knows if he gets better? Um, it's, it's kind of a, uh, he's a serious outlier for, in my opinion, it's, I don't think we'll see, uh, anything else really like this, you know, obviously OBJ coming on strong, was pretty crazy too but uh yeah there'll be another never another Saquon. Uh so I had the second pick and this one I mean there's so many names that that you could genuinely go with uh but I think I'm going to go with DJ Moore uh Carolina Panthers little mini breakout last season obviously he didn't um he didn't go crazy by any means but Cam was you know 50% basically the entire season uh Christian McCaffrey was taken on most of the work pretty much everywhere and then they kind of spread it around in the passing game outside of uh outside of cmc so i think with a healthy cam and now Funches out of there and and maybe greg olson moving on and we'll see kind of what happens with the other pieces we'll see if they bring in another wide receiver Uh, but i think dj moore is due for a a big time breakout i think um I'm not entirely sure he gets into that wide receiver one category, but I think he's definitely in the conversation for a high-end wide receiver two overall in dynasty. And honestly, the the college production he put up, I think he still went later last year than he should have. Obviously, there were some leagues where he he went you know, high end. He went maybe right after Barkley in some places, but it was kind of different um, pretty much across the board and, and between his college production, his, his draft stock. And, and now we see the mini breakout last year. I think it's hard to deny um, his, his career trajectory. I think he's going to continue to do well. And I think, I think we see cam um, grow with him. Hopefully cam stays healthy. I think that's, that's one important factor of, of maybe that floor being a little bit lower than I would have liked it to be um, making that one oh two selection, but uh, I'll take it. I think there's a ton of upside there.
1: I mean, I, I would say personally that he has the highest floor among – if you were to compare him with the top four wide receivers that's considered a top tier in 2019, I think he has a higher floor simply because he's already been a first-round pick. He's already slotted to be the number one wide receiver in an offense. Th- those are things that are not afforded to the those wide receivers at this point. Certainly in three weeks – they all, all four of them, all, f- all five of the top wide receivers, could be afforded the chance to be a wide receiver one and be a first round draft pick. But as of today, Moore is the safest option because it's already happened. He's already he's already been a first round pick and he's already in the number one role. And he's you know had a decent r- rookie year. He didn't certainly have the production of a Calvin Ridley who might go later in this draft, but he you know he he did he did enough to where it's, it's not like a Devontae Parker type rookie year.
3: Definitely, definitely, and and like you know, he was he was spotty. He was you know he was a rookie. It, it kind of is what it is, and he's still you know relatively young with with all of that. And like I said before, Cam being you know half half strength basically the entire season, and so you know there's a few games he missed. So I, I think I think if they they kind of get all the pieces together and they get Cam there for the full season, you know, fully healthy, I think uh, I think that's a really scary offense, and I see DJ Moore doing big things.
1: Alrighty, with the third selection in this draft, I'm going to go with my 2019 101, and that is Nikhil Harry. Uh, Oh, by the way, I I should mention that this may be obvious, but this is a one quarterback league. Uh, Baker would have already been gone by now. (laughs) Yes, he would have
3: been 102.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, Um, but in a one quarterback league, Nikhil Harry, my 101 for 2019. Currently, Uh, I, I do think that he. Is a higher risk selection at this stage because of the unknowns and because of you know big draft Twitter. While they might be wrong a lot, while the Michael Kuyper and McShay's are wrong about their predictions often as far as like where they're going, they often have a pretty good grip of where they're going to go in the draft. And not very often is a guy that's consistently not mocked in the first round go in the first round. So that does have a bit of a worry for for Harry if he ends up being at the wire receiver four, wire receiver five off the board. That might push me off him being the one on one in this draft. But for me he has the best college profile breakout age production he has it and, and at a poor school with Arizona State like it, it's not like he's doing it against poor competition in the back12 certainly it's not as good as the SEC but it's not you know the the Mac or whatever so he's doing it against power five competition and he's doing it with bad quarterback play with Arizona State so I, I'm a big hairy guy uh, <laughs> You're
3: yes. big, you are you are a big hairy guy
1: big hairy guy and so um, <laughs> Yeah, that's my thoughts on Harry. What are yours?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think he he profiles out the clearest as a potential wide receiver one in this class. I, I think, I think he's definitely in my conversation for wide receiver one. I think all my guys are really close right now, and, and draft stock is going to be what separates them. Um, but there's a lot to like. Obviously, the production, like you mentioned, and the breakout age, all of that stuff is super super important. But Everything he does on the field, well, not everything, but for the most part, everything he does is super clean. He's he's pretty darn refined at this point. So I think I think he's the most NFL ready, uh, aside from maybe like an AJ Brown, who's who's pretty refined as well, but uh, maybe not as explosive. So I just think I think Nikhil Harry brings a legitimate wide receiver one type. Um, player to the nfl and i i think let's hope he doesn't go someplace that already has a uh you know a solidified wide receiver one but uh, obviously he would thrive as a wide receiver two working against lesser cornerbacks because that's kind of what he's used to obviously nfl quarterbacks are, or cornerbacks are a little bit better than pac 12 cornerbacks um but and with that being said i still think he can thrive as a two but i think he definitely profiles out as a one
1: all righty who will you be going with the pick pick four
3: uh, number four, I think uh, this might be this might be a little bit more based on on market value. Uh, I do like him quite a bit, but market seems to be a good amount higher on him than I am, and that's Nick Chubb, uh, running back, Cleveland Browns. Obviously, uh, the big talk of the town last year was Sony Michelle, and and Chubb kind of went by the wayside. It seemed at first, you know, everything everybody wanted Sony, and and uh, people were scared off by. By the injury bug with with Nick and I think he proved everybody wrong and in, and in, uh, including Hugh Jackson who refused to use him <laughs> until what is it, like week six or something like that uh so uh, honestly it it it's kind of it's kind of easy because again that's a really nice floor play we saw the production we know it's a growing offense we know Freddie Kitchen likes to use him we know Baker's going to continue to get better that offense is filling in around him and I mean it you know, and he may not get a, a ton and ton and ton of carries because now they have Kareem Hunt, which could maybe be a little bit, uh, a little bit scary to some. But we're still not going to see him for at least half the season, and then beyond that, that could just be a play him a little bit to trade him type of thing. Uh, I, I think Nick Chubb continues to thrive in, in uh, in that offense, and yeah, I think he's pretty easily the the RB two in this group that we're looking at um, by a decent margin, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not the only one, but I'm very, you know, worried about what to do with, with Nick Chubb in the post-Kareem Hunt signing era. I, I I think that people who Nick who moved Nick Chubb, you know, several, you know, one or two rounds down in the startup may be overreacting a bit because there is no long-term investment in Kareem Hunt. But I think people who are still taking him in the second, maybe, you know, early third round are not accounting for the risk of Kareem Hunt coming in and being the Browns running back one. I mean, at the end of the day – Yes, the the investment of a second round pick is more than what they invested in Hunt. But if Hunt it proves he's clearly the better running back, they're going to go with Hunt because they, I mean, they have a, they have a young explosive. I, I think that there's you know some risk involved with you know face face t- taking your running back this early that might split time heavily. Uh, but you know he, I would say from a talent perspective, he certainly belongs here. I'm I'm just very worried about Cream Hunt.
3: That's fair. I think I think we're going to find out relatively quickly. Um, that Andy Reid, and I'm not saying he was all of it. I, I, I'm saying that he had a pretty pretty good-sized reflection on on what Kareem Hunt was able to do, and obviously Patrick Mahomes uh, growing in so, you know, half the season last year or so before before Hunt was suspended. But um, even the Alex Smith offense, you know, obviously he looks really good, but that's the Andy Reid offense. And I'm not saying Kareem Hunt's a bad player because he still had a really nice college career, and, and um, you know, he, he looks good on tape and all of that. So... Uh, I, I, think, I think the worry is definitely, uh, is definitely fair. I mean, obviously that's, that's a scary thing, especially when you see what type of production he was able to, to accomplish with KC, And now that comes to Cleveland and, and potentially gets in the way of Nick Chubb in the back half of the season. So it could be where they just kind of use cream hunt back half to, to spell Chubb a little bit and keep him fresh for the playoffs. But that's a two headed monster. That's really scary. Plus we can't forget about Duke Johnson, who it sounds like you know is honestly be, be I'll, I'll be
1: surprised if if duke is a is a brown the day after the draft
3: i agree i think he gets traded he gets traded on on day two or day three um probably day two but um yeah it's either way that's that's going to be a competitive backfield i mean good for cleveland for piecing it together but it, it does kind of burn a little bit for fantasy owners especially when you're thinking about the long term and what they're going to do with cream hunt
1: all right. Uh my next pick, pick number 5. Yes, pick number 5, Darius Geis. This this is one that I I I wasn't confident uh, a pick I was not confident in making, but it was just kind of who I who was at the top of my board at, at when I'm taking this pick. And so, it's Darius Geis. I, I think that he has the 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 only bell cow or no, the best bell bell cow profile of the guys who are left on the board in a, you know, after I guess after Barkley <laughs> and there's not really a clear bell cow after that when the 2018 and 2019 classes. So I, I, I think that guys is going to get the opportunities as long as he's healthy. And so he might lose some receiving production early on to Chris Thompson, but I think that he is the best running back of this bunch. Um, I, I mean, with Nick, him and Nick Chubb are, are, are comparative from a talent perspective, and I guess Chubb, it's weird. You think, think a year ago if you said Chubb was the healthy one between the two, that you wouldn't expect that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, where, where Geis is, I, I, I think that, you know, he, he's a solid value and has the opportunity to be a bell cow. The only real worries are Chris Thompson as a receiving and the fact that Washington may be taking for Tua.
3: Yeah, that's always possible, but I, I agree with you. I was gonna go with uh, Geis on my next pick if you didn't take him. So another that's that's a, that's an early snipe uh, by Mister Powell. But yeah, he definitely projects out to to be kind of that bell cow role, uh, like you mentioned, Chris Thompson taking a little bit of the receiving production. But at the same time, you know, Chris Thompson's relatively replaceable. Um, but Washington's kind of a dumpster fire. That's that's uh, I think that's the main worry. And like you said, the the tank for Tua could be real. So year one at this point, well, technically year one for for guys, even though last year was his rookie year, uh, it could be a little bit interesting. Um, it it could it could definitely go sideways really quickly. But yeah, I think I think he's got all the talent. I really liked him last year. He was high up on my board last year. I think he was my my RB two, if I remember correctly. And you know, the, obviously the injury was scary and, and, you know, there was the infection and some talk about him not being right or whatever it was. But I think we've seen some video as of late where it looks like he's cutting and and running at full speed, which is really, really positive sign So uh, I'm not as worried as a lot of people are about that injury. I think he's, He's gonna, you know, get to full recovery and and hopefully they don't push him. If he needs to set out a couple of games, I think just go for it and do it. It's not like this team is gonna be winning anything this year, anyways. So uh, I do like Geis's future. I think this year's gonna be a little bit shaky. Okay, one oh six. I'm going with Detroit Lion Carryon Johnson, who I was like, he was a guy last year that when I watched him, I didn't see someone that was great at anything. But I also didn't see someone that was bad at anything. He was just good at just about everything, which I mistakenly said just wasn't my type of guy. But at the same time, I, I just obviously wasn't using my brain because somebody that's good at just about everything is going to be a good NFL player. And, and he proved that last year, even though they decided it was a really good idea to use Garrett Blunt. Uh, which was uber tilting. And, and then they went ahead and brought in another veteran running back this year. So uh, I have to feel like we probably are going to tilt a little bit this year as well, even though carrying on proved himself last year. And, and I think that offense continues to get a little bit better and they, they've seemingly learned how to use running backs a little bit better than they had in the past, because that team was abysmal running the ball and, and getting their guys um Getting their guys involved through the passing game. Obviously, Theo Riddick uh, had a couple of good seasons, but he basically played wide receiver for them. So uh, I, I think I think Johnson's got a really really nice opportunity to to continue to excel there. I just hope that they aren't going to continue with these like 50 touches and and he losing losing all the goal line touches and the red zone touches and everything because so, he's going to need those touchdowns for his production. I don't think he's good he's going to have a huge uh, yardage output, just because of how the Lions like to play, they like to throw the ball. Um, but I think he can get involved in that part of the game as well. And and I, again, this is this is just kind of a a floor pick, really based on a lot of market value because market seems to really really love carrying. On. I think he got a really nice boost last year once he perf- once he proved that he could perform and and produce. Um, he flew up a lot of people's boards and then kind of plateaued. Even maybe dropped a little bit after that, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's got a really good opportunity.
1: For me, this is the first real disconnect in you know this draft versus market value, because there's been six players taken so far. Five of them have been from the 2018 class. Therefore, this is basically this selection is basically saying carry on Johnson is worth the 102 or more than the 102. And while many people are down on the 2019 class and, and are devaluing those early first round picks. I do think that for the most part, you can get more for the 102 than you can get for carry-on. Or if you're trying to acquire carry-on, you can do it for cheaper than the 102. Um, so maybe he, you just like him more than any of the other rookies besides Harry. Uh, but for, for me, I think he'd be a little bit lower down after some of the 2019 rookies. Uh, you know, They brought in TJ Anderson, which is a worry. And... Like, it's, like he's not going to be the type of guy who's going to have a, like a top 6 running back finish. He might be, you know, high, low end RB1, high end RB2, but I don't I just don't see the, you know, elite RB potential with him.
3: See, this this one was a little bit uh, of strategy on my part because I knew that I was going to get either um Brown or Metcalf <laughs> or, you know, potentially somebody else and I wanted to make sure that I got somebody else that I really liked even though this doesn't mean anything. I'm just trying to build You know, you know, build my my board. So I'm throwing a little strategy in there as well. So uh, this one was anticipating you taking the person that you did. Who uh, who happens to be your 107 there, Nathan?
1: Well, that's a bit of a teaser, folks, because now we got to talk about our friends at my FFPC.
3: Wow. You're going to you're going to cliffhanger them like that. Unbelievable. Well, we will just take this quick second to talk about the FFPC, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. It is the off-season, yes, we all know, but it's there's no off-season for us Dynasty players. Uh, it's Like I said, it's definitely not for you guys. You guys are here because of Dynasty, so there's really no off-season uh, here or with the FFPC. If you're a diehard who's ready to draft now, the FFC, FFPC Best Ball Leagues are already open for 2019 season. Uh, drafting Drafts are forming daily, starting at just $35. And uh, if you're a fan of Dynasty, which, again, you're here, so pretty clearly you are, uh, the last few years, FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious dynasty players. They now have almost 300 active dynasty leagues, starting at $77, and even have a $5,000—yes, you heard that correct—$5,000 entry dynasty league. So, whoever wants to bankroll me for that, we uh, we can go into business together. Uh, but the best part is, is that not a single league has folded in nine years. That's incredible. We see leagues fold all the time, and they have not had one fold in 9 years. Um there also are some orphan teams available as well to purchase. Uh otherwise, you know, brand new startups uh going just basically daily. So don't miss out on the FFPC experience. Uh make sure you go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football.
1: All righty with the 107 in the 2018-2019 rookie mock matrix. I'm going to go with wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Ole Miss. A.J. Brown, he, I, honestly, I think he might be a little bit safer from a draft capital perspective than Harry, because you're, you're seeing Brown mocked a little bit more in the first round than you are seeing Harry. Um, I, I, I think that the both are, are similar level talents. I, I think Brown, you know, might have a little bit more upside. So with, with Brown, I mean, I'm a big fan of his. I think that, you know, he's really good and he's going to be a first round pick. And so I I think that he belongs as the the 102 in the class and he belongs around here in in the mock as well. So I I think that if you can, you know, send over a 20, a successful uh, 2018 rookie and try and get AJ Brown, I think that's a good move while everyone is so down on the top of the 2019 class.
3: Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that's probably a good move. I think you could, you could looking at this board, you know, moving a Geis or, or a carry on even um, that's, that's about right. I think, I think this tier right here is, is they're all kind of similarly valued. Um, but with AJ, you know, we we saw the success with Juju and, you know, with obviously uh, AJ profiling out similar to, similarly to Juju. Uh, obviously that's, you know, it's just a projection at this point. We don't know, what he's going to be when he comes into the NFL, but seeing that type of success with a guy like Juju and knowing what AJ Brown is coming out of college and being, being a similar type player. I think, I think teams are going to are be a little bit antsy to get him. I think he definitely is a first round pick. I think uh, he goes relatively early and I think a team that gets him falls in love with him as long as they decide to, to put him in that slot, like the teams did with Juju.
1: Yeah. And, this may be me just like reaching for straws and a reason to like A.J. Brown, but it's always good. And obviously there's much talk about Kyler Murray, but it's always good to see a multi-sport athlete because that just shows how skilled they are and how talented they are as an athlete. And that often translates to being a better football player. So A.J. Brown, many people, not many people, but I would say some people, you know, advised against taking A.J. Brown in Debbie leagues because there was the possibility, maybe not this past year, but, in years before that there was the possibility that he would go the baseball route. He ended up not doing that, thankfully, but you know, just the fact that he's so talented that he was playing college baseball and, you know, maybe even consider an Emily prospect at some levels just shows, you know, how good of an athlete he is.
3: Yeah. I think you'd be surprised at how many guys are, are good at multiple sports and only, only a few kind of continue to be multi-sport athletes. Whereas most everybody's is kind of specialized these days. Everyone they're told at a young age that they have to pick one and play it uh, if they want to compete at a high level. So, yeah, I, I, you definitely – you know he's an athlete. You know he's he's going to be a good NFL player. Uh, we just got to hope for a good landing spot. And and maybe he – you know, if he gets that landing spot, I, I could definitely see people taking him over Harry. I know plenty of people that are going to take him over to Keel Harry anyways. So uh, I think he's, he's definitely in the conversation for one, two, or three. Um, this is the group where I have draft profile – or draft stock – is going to be what breaks the tie uh and speaking of that tie my uh, 108 pick is going to be dk metcalf who i was going to take where i took carry johnson but i knew you weren't going to take him so i took him um just you know monster athlete obviously we get to we we see all of the stuff about oh tom brady had a better uh, three cone or whatever whatever stupid drill it was um there's there's a reason that big wide receivers don't run a lot of those drills. And obviously we're not talking about Julio Jones, we're not talking about Calvin Johnson. Those are, you know, generational talents as much as everyone wants to use that phrase. Um but DK has easily I, and I don't think it's close to the highest ceiling of the 2019 class. If he can, you know, kind of clean up some of the things with his route running and and be a little bit less rigid. I mean, the dude's just one big muscle. He's not He's not normal. He's not from this planet. the The potential is is so intriguing, and and you know we we bust on a lot of these picks. Um, you know you, you can lose a lot of roster value by not taking a safer play, but the potential the potential uh, for what he could be is too much for me to to shy away from. And and this is a guy a guy I've been on since uh, I think he was a senior in high school. Uh, I was drafting him in Debbie League, so it's it's tough to to not at least like the potential of dk metcalf yes i know that there's a lot of things that he struggles with i think the main concern for me is the injury bug uh that that's something he hasn't been able to to shake it seems uh old miss is kind of a gross offense um so a lot of those types of arguments aren't really going to fly by me you can go yell at your clouds um i'm not really going to listen to that though the the one i will listen to is is the injury argument because it's real uh and it's one of the main reasons that i really didn't like mike williams coming out and now mike williams looks like he's going to be all right so um i I just it's hard for me to not to get away from liking dk a lot um like i've said a couple times just the pure potential and what he could be is is so intriguing to me
1: Yeah, personally, I try not to put too much stock in landing spots. I do value draft capital, but I think oftentimes in Dynasty, we overreact to going to a good landing spot versus going to a bad landing spot. But Metcalf is one player where a landing spot is going to be vital for me. I might value him more with a good team or with a good coach and a good uh, quarterback in the second round than I would if he goes in the first round to the Raiders. So I I, I do think that there are landing spots that would make me worry more about Metcalf. And there are landing spots like if he goes to the Colts. You know, Frank Reich looks like one of the better young coaches uh, in the NFL. If he goes to the Colts, I'm going to be all aboard the DK Metcalf hype train. But – Like I said, I I think that those things can be a little bit overhyped, but I think that when you talk about a raw prospect, a guy who has limited uh, college production, you do have to account for it more so than you would with a Nikhil Harry.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. And, And if he goes to like Baltimore or Oakland or Buffalo, I may quit dynasty altogether. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many, I have so many Debbie DK Metcalf shares. It's not even funny. Um, But yeah, I agree 100% with the landing spot, truly mattering for DK. And and it doesn't even necessarily be a good team. I I think he needs to get into good coaching, which obviously usually, you know, the the good teams follow the good coaching or whatever, however you want to, with that um so it, it's going to be important for the landing spot to be there and and at this point i'm just hoping to avoid the <laughs> the bombs like like baltimore or buffalo uh even though i'd love to see josh allen figure his stuff out and buffalo become less uh of a dumpster and that would be that would be a match made in heaven if if uh, josh allen could hit the broad side of a barn but um yeah it's it's intriguing to me I, i'm i'm yeah, it's, it's draft night's going to be, going to be fun. I, <laughs> I uh, just really, really, really hope he goes somewhere fun.
1: All right. After a pair of rookies, I will go with the 109. I mean, after, yes, after a pair of 2019 rookies, I will go back to the 2018 well at the one Oh nine with Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle first round running back went to the Patriots uh, last season. And, I, I think that he's starting to break the mold of the the Patriots use eighteen running backs. The Patriots will never have a fantasy relevant running back. Well, they had James White as you know a top fifteen, top twelve fantasy running back, and Sony Michelle still kind of profiled as a workhorse when he was involved in the game. So you know when he was healthy, when when he had learned the playbook and Belichick learned to trust him. I know he had some fumble issues, but I, I think that Michelle can break the mold of the Belichick running back with the high draft capital and. With just being talented, I, I think that he he's good enough to be a, a 20 to 22 type carry guy in New England. So I, I think that, you know, he is once again, another running back from the last class that would be above the RB one of, of this class.
3: Yeah, I think I've got him close to the RB one um, or that that kind of front running group but it, my my big issue with sony and you mentioned the fumbles and stuff like that i'm i'm not too worried about that you know the the new england thing it's still something that kind of lingers in my mind a little bit like maybe maybe 2018 was just kind of kind of something different that they were trying and and they'll go back to using like nine different running backs i don't necessarily think that's going to happen my but i do worry about the the passing game usage obviously um, having a ton of carries is super important, especially if you're playing in something like a points per carry league. Then Sony Michelle would be way up higher on this list. But um, I, I just worry that he's not involved enough in the passing game, and they continue to add pieces that that play that role. And I think just that they're they're really comfortable using Sony as a pure running back and and not having him worry about the passing game. So I think from that perspective I'm probably a little bit lower on him than a lot of folks. I definitely don't hate the pick here. Uh I think he again fits right kind of into this this next tier. I think after Metcalf there's another drop off. But yeah, I mean he's he's probably close to it. I just I can't fall in love with somebody that doesn't catch passes. Not that he can't. Not that he can't catch them. I, I, he just that's well, not no, how they I mean
1: it's it's like Geis and Chris Thompson like they're not going to to use Geist in the passing game because they have Chris Thompson. They're not going to use Michelle in the passing game because they have James White.
3: Yeah, and and the only difference there I see is that Chris Thompson's relatively replaceable, whereas James White I don't see as quite as replaceable. Plus, he's got a decent sized contract under his belt. Um, so I I don't know. It's it's one where if they do start using him, obviously his his you know draft or his fantasy value is going to skyrocket, but. I just, I have that feeling that they're not, they're, they're really, really comfortable having him as a pure running back. Okay. Uh, with the next pick, this was a lot of people's wide receiver one in 2018. Uh, I was on the bandwagon for most of it, um, but we've got Cortland Sutton who was pretty underwhelming as a rookie in Denver, but Denver was also atrocious. Um, nothing really seemed to click there, uh, other than Philip Lindsay. That was about it, and it just it just kind of seemed like sour grapes from the get go. And you know, now we've got we've got Joe Flacco there, and I'm guessing they're going to draft some sort of quarterback, whether it be this year or next year. So hopefully, before the end of Cortland Sutton's rookie uh, rookie contract is up, they they have some <laughs> somebody playing quarterback there that understands what they're doing. Uh, Because last year was just an absolute gong show. Uh, I still think uh, Sutton profiles as, as you know, a a wide receiver two ish type. I think he can be a wide receiver one in an NFL offense without, without a doubt. I think he's got all of those tools. Um, It's just, it's tough when there's not a whole lot around you and, and teams are smothering you. So uh, I still think, I think Sutton's kind of a nice value here. Um, There's a few guys on the board that are, are pretty intriguing as well that, um, we're probably pretty close to. And I'm guessing there's probably people that we're forgetting about. You guys are all yelling at us right now. Um, but yeah, I like Cortland Sutton here. Uh, I think he has a, a nice comeback here and, and hopefully Denver figures some things out. See,
1: I mean, I was, I was a Sutton fan last year and I, you know, you had him going in the, the mid first of rookie drafts last year, but I, I'm not sure I see the value here of a wide receiver who is in a bad offense, who, didn't show enough in year one. And so and, and wasn't high enough draft pick. Like if he was, you know, a top 15, top 20 draft pick, a la like a Corey Davis coming out of a small school, then I can see not moving him down the ranks after one year of, of doing limited to nothing. Um, but, you know, he, he was not, I mean, he was, I think he was a second or third round pick, maybe early third round pick. Um, but basically I don't think he was drafted high enough to excuse, uh, how little he produced in year one.
3: Sutton was a top. He was, I think like 40th overall. He was an early second.
1: Okay. All right. Well, but still, he wasn't a first round pick. Basically,
3: you can take your, your draft stock and go shove it up. Russell's butt. That's what I got. That's why I got to say about that.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move to another player who might have some high draft stock. You might even go 40th overall. Pretty high. If you ask me, uh, <laughs> Hakeem Butler. Of Iowa State, uh, many talks on the Twitter whether he's Hakeem Bustler or whether he's the wide receiver one in this class, and so with with that wide variance and with you know I've talked about before with big draft, many people mocking him into you know the first round of the NFL draft, early second round of the NFL draft. All I'm going to take that hype and I'm going to take the upside of Butler that he produced in his uh, you know final season at Iowa State. So I think there's a lot to like, you know, big bodied uh, catcher, uh, you know, can jump high all the works. And so, yeah, I I, I'm not sure if 104 in a normal rookie draft is the best is, you know, a good value for Hakeem Butler, but at this point, he's the fourth highest valued player in this draft.
3: Yeah. I think right now it's, it's pretty easy to put him, to put him in that spot. You know, we, we've been starting to hear a lot more about, um, like Marquise Brown and and some other guys moving up and in, in potentially being first round picks and going ahead of of Hakeem Butler. But that's another like super size speed athleticism freak that maybe we uh, we kind of looked past for too long. And um you know some some people that were were following along had a Meyer up on boards, but for the most part people were kind of not really aware of who he even was. But yeah, he's, he's another physical freak. We've got a couple of those guys in this, in this class. Um, I think he can do enough. I I don't, I, I think he's, he's like your red zone specialist type. I just, there's, there's, I don't know. His route running's not super wonderful. I, I think if you just focus on getting him in 50 in fifties and using him in the red zone, I, I mean, a guy like that, that's, that's kind of built for what he's good at. Um, However, he does kind of struggle with, with his, you know, his short area quickness, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do like Butler. I just, there's a couple of other guys I think that, that kind of fit the bill a little bit better here. And I still think he's going to be in that conversation of the next tier of wide receivers and there's some guys that are talking about Hakeem as the wide receiver one, which to me is a little bit crazy. I don't think he's quite there yet, Um, but anything can happen. He could end up going relatively early and with the best landing spot. And if that's the case, then you have to make, you have to make a case for him as wide receiver one. If he ends up with say someone like the Colts, or, you know, a, a team that's, that's you know, like the chiefs, um, any, any team that's got a big passing offense and knows how to util- utilize their players like that. It, it's, it's going to be tough not to move him up. You know, you, you've potentially got Brandon Marshall or you could have Denario Alexander. Yeah, it's, a, there's a, there's a really wide range of outcomes with Butler, I think.
1: Alrighty, Dan, wrap us up with the last pick of the night
3: okay last pick of tonight we are going i want to go running back let's let's go with my current rb1 this is one that will likely change based on landing spots but that's miles sanders we hear all sorts of talk in the uh, in the Twitterverse, and this is this is a guy out of penn state so he had to deal with uh, a year of Saquon Barkley, um, so he didn't have a ton, and ton, and ton of usage on his on his legs quite yet. Um, you know, someone kind of like Josh Jacobs didn't get a ton of usage, um, but I think I think Sanders projects out really nicely. Actually, uh, he fits really nicely in in the current NFL as we see the major shift towards you know, being everyone involved in the passing game because it's a passing league. And I think that's where he excels. Um, I think, I think he can be a three down back. I, I think he'll work best as a pass catcher in a pass catching role with a little bit of, of ground game work. Um, you know, maybe something like 10 carries and and then work everything else on the targets and fit him in next to kind of a, more of a, a bruiser type running back and, you know, we're basically going to get to a point where we're going to have like two or three bell cow guys in the league and everyone else is going to be in the committee because, again, that's just kind of the way the NFL is trending. They want to keep these guys fresh and healthy. And, you know, I don't see really a true high-end running back in this class, but I think Miles Sanders, because of my love for pass-catching backs, I think he – I think he's got the the most potential to be a big time fantasy producer.
1: Yeah. Ma- Miles Sanders is a solid pick here. Definitely has probably the the, be- the biggest upside to turn into like a LaShawn McCoy type runner in this class. You know, a lot of the other guys seem more like, you know, plotters <laughs> when it comes to, you know, the bigger backs that are, you know, just getting three, four yards of carry while Sanders does seem more elusive than, than the other guys. So Yeah. I mean, I like the pick here. I think it's a solid spot and honestly, it comes down to in this spot, I'll take whoever goes RB one in the draft. Uh, You know, whoever's going to get the opportunities early on, whoever's going to, you know, maybe go to the best situation, but more so, you know, obviously the draft capital matters more than the landing spot. So, I mean, Sanders is solid here. I think that it's probably between him and Jacobs as far as who is going to be the first running back off the board. So, um, but I, I think that you know both, both, both of those two are in the running uh, for both dynasty and NFL draft for RB one.
3: Yeah, I think I like you said. I, I think J- Jacobs probably ends up going first. Um, I like what I see from Sanders just a little bit more. I know I know a lot of people really think that Josh Jacobs is going to be something special. Uh, I didn't see a ton there. Uh, honestly, if we're going to talk about it, I think I prefer Damian Harris to Josh Jacobs, but that'll be for next week. We can argue about Josh Jacobs because I'd have to imagine he's going to go somewhere in the next 12 picks. And, uh, so to recap, we have our top 12 this week, which were Saquon Barkley, DJ Moore, Nikhil Harry, Nick Chubb, Darius Geis, carry Johnson, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Sony, Michelle, Cortland Sutton, Hakeem Butler, and Miles Sanders in that order. You don't have to. You don't have to like it, but you're going to have to hear about it at least for one more week. Uh, next week we'll cover the back half of that, which should be also fun. I enjoyed this. This. This is. I think we need to do this more often.
1: C D and I. That's where I disagree. I, I, this was fun, <laughs> but uh, honestly, we, we talked a little trade cast history uh, last last week, and I think one of the first things I said to you and Eric was. We just can't do mock drafts because that is literally the worst podcasting ever. And here we are two, three years later. I, I mean, pretty sure we debuted right after the draft. Uh, and, you know, here we are talking mock drafts.
3: Yeah, but see, a lot of times it's people that don't really know what they're doing. You get a lot of dead air and and trying to pick after being sniped. But, you know, the the relationship that we have, that's it's like bread and butter, brother. You know, you know, who's but who's yeah, bread and who's okay. butter? Is that like the Morpheus and Neil thing?
1: Well, you know, I'm dieting, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the margarine.
3: Oh, yeah, you <laughs> can the margarine. I can't believe it's not Nathan.
1: <laughs> That's the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is absolutely 100% the show. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us this week. Make sure you hit up uh, iTunes and all of your lovely podcast places. Make sure you give us some some five-star reviews. Leave us a note if you want to say hi. Say great job. Say you're the worst. Don't say that you're the worst. We have we're very touchy. We have we have feelings. Um, but for Nathan and myself, this has been the Dynasty Trade and we will see you guys next week.
2: The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime Sports documentary The
2: Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh yeah. Sign up at robinhood.com/boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. No.